to another episode of Untrue Crime, where fiction meets felonies. I'm Alex. And I'm Belle. Today's episode includes content warnings for decomposition and mental illness. This is your fair warning that this podcast uses explicit language before someone walks in at the wrong time. As a last warning, today's episode includes decomposition and mental illness. Let's get this started, shall we? We shall. Not much is known about Ernest Coleman. We know he was born on Sunday, July 28, 1958, in Bremen, Germany, where he lived his entire life. He grew up an only child with just his father after his mother died of a heart attack. His entire life, Ernest was quiet. He kept to himself rather than associating with other children. As an adult, he chose to work as a copywriter and went about the office silently, not making friends. His co-workers liked him. He'd never done anything to bother anyone else, but it was clear he didn't know how to talk to people or didn't want to. That's fair. I also like my coworkers that keep to themselves yes. and don't start drama. Just do your job and move on. That's 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 totally That's kind fine. of my work ideology. Totally as fine. I walk in, I do my job and I walk out. I'm big on making friends at work, but I You think make friends everywhere though. But I think it's also completely fine to just do your work and go home. That's fine. I love that. I love when nothing that happens, bad about that. But I work in a very drama centric industry, so yeah. of course it's gonna be Ernest was a man who liked quieter activities, based on what was garnered about him from his home. Puzzles, cooking, and drawing were among his favorites. His walls were decorated with art that he had made, usually of mundane snippets of life or of his neighbors, as well as framed puzzles he had completed. Have you seen that video on an app where a woman completed her, like, 5,000 puzzle, lifted it up, and her husband punched it? Yes! It... I'm makes me very, so mad. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I would get a divorce on the spot. It, it says so much about their marriage. Yeah. yeah. His crowning achievement hung in his kitchen. It was a five thousand piece jigsaw of the Swiss Alps. Ernest loved the mountains, and he often rented a specific cabin there—a pinewood A-frame with a fireplace and a piano that he would play, since he didn't own a proper piano of his own. What is a pine wood A-frame? So an A-frame is a type of house that's just kind of shaped like an A. It's like a triangle. Mm -hmm. And it's made of pine wood. Because it's a cabin. Okay. Despite being a homebody, Ernest didn't seem too unhappy for most of his life. He was content with himself, said his neighbors, though many speculate how they would have known, considering they'd never really interacted with him. It takes more than a passing glance to know someone. That said... Ernest kept a diligent set of journals that he began when he was 25, chronicling his daily emotions, and he rarely complained of anything in regard to lack of human contact in them. He had one friend, Anika Esther Kemp, a 25-year-old painter who was working at a cafe down the street from where he lived. Every day, Ernest would shuffle down the street to get himself a chocolate croissant that Anika would fetch for him, and on occasion, a small black coffee with cream. Anika was fond of him and would always make conversation. She was the only person who seemed to disagree with the prevailing opinion that Ernest didn't like people. He liked people very much, she was quoted as saying. They simply did not notice him. Anika was a sweet and empathetic kind of person, everyone said. She, like Ernest, enjoyed art, especially the mountains. She had never been to the Alps before, but she had said to friends and family that she dreamed of buying a place there someday. They were inspirational to her, and she enjoyed the views that she had recreated in her own oil paintings from images she saw online. Anika painted other things too, of course, but she hoped that by living in the Alps, she'd be able to paint original depictions of them and of her life there. 
Part of the reason she worked at the coffee shop was to save money to move to Switzerland and get a place that she'd always wanted to. I've heard Switzerland is beautiful. It's gorgeous from what I've seen. I knew a few people from Switzerland way back in, in the day. And they they told me a lot about their country. And it was just, it was excellent. Every picture I've seen of Switzerland is so gorgeous. Most of the people that I've seen from Switzerland, which are not many, I've seen like three Swiss people, are also insanely beautiful yeah. it's very odd where it's very much jarring to see these very beautiful people that came to america yeah. for college in 2020 the world changed all of a sudden people were locked inside and working from home ernest worked remotely though he had a hard time trying to operate in a fully digital workspace technology was not his strong suit as he'd grown up in a different time and a different professional atmosphere he preferred doing things by hand. By 2020, he had no family. His father had passed away long ago from old age, and he wasn't in contact with any other relatives. Of course, the cafe had to close during the lockdown, and Ernest and Anika fell out of touch. It wasn't as if she knew where he lived, and until later, she had no hope of seeing him again. However, when the cafe reopened after the lockdown, Ernest did not come in to get his usual. Anika worried that the virus had infected him and that he had passed away. He was, after all, in his 60s, and he was vulnerable due to his issues with heart disease. However, she couldn't find any record of an obituary online or in the papers, and thus she just had to hope that he was okay and simply wasn't visiting, though that had been odd. Ernest seemed to treasure the times when he came to the cafe, and it would be out of character for him not to visit. Ernest was not sick with COVID-19, but from what was written in his journal, he wasn't okay. The lockdown had put more pressure on his mental health. His daily trips to the cafe and simply being in the presence of his co-workers had been the only social interaction he had, but it had been social interaction. This was true isolation he was now facing. The loneliness had sent him into depression, which was also affecting his work around that time. Newer co-workers complained, a new boss came into power, and Ernest was laid off in 2022. This was worse for his mental health because it made him feel like he was not useful. Ernest was a man who was always trying to contribute to the world around him, be it through his job or his art, which brought beauty into the world, even if he did not show it off. Doing nothing was not in his nature, and when the depression got worse and he found himself unable to even sketch, found himself to be truly useless. Ernest rarely went out, aside from for groceries, and even that was uncommon. Some of his savings had been going towards having groceries delivered, and he lacked the energy to go get any. He didn't even have the heart to get up and go to the cafe. The one time that he did, after summoning a lot of strength that he didn't feel capable of using, Anika wasn't feeling well and her co-worker was covering her shift. That's tragic. This upset Ernest when he came into the cafe. He demanded to know where Anika was, and her confused co-worker said that she was sick. She only had a stomach bug, but Ernest was deeply disturbed and went home without his food. In his journal, he wrote that he wouldn't go back if Anika wasn't there. It was a jarring event for those who recognized him. Ernest was a very soft-spoken guy who tipped weekly and spent at least 10 minutes asking Anika about the art that she was making, what her experience in graduate school was like, and how her family was. He smiled even if he didn't talk to the other staff members. They all had him down as a sweet old man that was lonely. Seeing him upset and raising his voice when he was asking where Anika was was not what they expected. When you say upset, do you mean like violent upset? No, just like very distraught, very sad, um, but good question. Anika returned to work not long after and was shocked to hear her co-worker recount the incident. 
It was inconsistent with what she knew about Ernest, and she was concerned about his mental health and the toll that lockdown had taken on him. Anika said later that for the next two months she came in even when she needed the day off because she wanted to be there in case he did come in so that she could talk to him. She even kept a 5x5 canvas that she had painted an image of Mont Blanc on in her locker at work to give to him when she next saw him. However, Ernest did not ever go to the cafe again, just as he had resolved on the day he spoke to Anika's co-worker. That's a bit dramatic. Considering that he wasn't working anymore, he wasn't going out, and he wasn't in contact with Anika, Ernest fell off the map. No one kept track of him, and he was largely forgotten, aside from by Anika, who lamented that she couldn't invite him to her graduation since he didn't come back to the cafe. Ernest's life was only kept track of in his journal, which he continued to keep up with, despite his inability to do other things such as take proper care of himself or continue his hobbies. Ernest, during this time, talked a lot about his loneliness. He often wondered to himself why he was still going through life. His family was gone, Anika, he said, was gone, and there was no one that cared for him. Why would he press on if there was no one he was pressing onward for? Then, a little miracle happened. Oh, thank God. This was getting really depressing. It really was. On February 3rd, 2022, Ernest managed to get himself out of bed to try to go get groceries. He opened his door to find a kitten curled up by the door, shivering in the cold. Ernest didn't know what to do with it, but he brought it inside. The kitten climbed up into his lap when he sat down, the first kind of physical touch he had had in a long, long time. Ernest describes his world as rearranging. He opened up his phone and began researching how to take care of a cat so young. He estimated the cat at being about six months old and scheduled a vet visit. He named her Shotzi, German for treasure, because she had saved his life something worth more than all the treasure in the world. I'm, that's very, very sweet. I do believe if we're going to put a German word, it would be a Shotzi. Well, I can't say it. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to give my little American version and any German viewers can and now, be really disappointed in me. And I'm sorry, but- We do have German viewers, shout out to y'all. But I will say that I don't study German. I study Dutch. So I'm, and I'm really bad at the sh sounds. So that's all I got. You're going to have to hear it that way. I'm so sorry. I, I can't do it any other way. Oh, nay. <laughs> what are you saying? You know, I can't understand you. That's my real name. I'll cut that out. Oh. <laughs> that records go through April as Shotzi needed her shots since she had been astray before. He also got her fixed right around the time that he got her, considering she was old enough, and that is a responsible thing to do when getting a cat. His journal entries also go through April, but the last one was on the 14th. Ernest had been busy packing, putting his life into boxes that would fit in his car. He lived in a small, ground-floor apartment, so that was doable when he was willing to get rid of most of his things. He had finally decided that he was tired of Bremen and was going where he had always wanted to go, the Alps. Question. Mm -hmm. He's been out of work for years. No, he's been out of work for a couple months. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure what timeline we were on. How does he have the funds to... He's using his retirement funds. I believe okay. I state that later, but he's investing his retirement fund into doing this. Okay. It was a decision that he had not made with a lot of forethought, but it was one that was important to him. He was going to the German state of Baravi Baravia? Baravia? Baravia, I believe. He was going to the German state of Baravia. It's actually pretty similar to okay. English. because Where it's... the Alps ah. cross through Germany. Ah, he didn't have a wealth of money in his savings, but he had enough to get him there and had found a person who was looking to lease a room in his place at a price he could afford. 
A job had not been lined up in advance, but he wanted to show Shotzi his favorite place on Earth, and he wanted to stay there until he passed. It was about time to retire anyway, and he had enough if he sold off some of his larger things and stayed somewhere a little cheaper. On the 15th, he met with a man who had responded to his ad in the paper at 9 o'clock a.m., according to the text exchanged between the two, thanks to Ernest putting his number alongside the ad. Ernest was selling him the family china that his father had given to him when he moved out. The china had survived the Second World War when his home of Bremen had been indiscriminately area-bombed by the British Royal Air Force and the U.S. Eighth Air Force. His mother's home at the time had been rocked by the bombs, but the china had somehow made it out mostly unscathed. It was an heirloom, but Ernest had no one to pass it on to, so he figured it would be better to sell it to someone willing to pay for the very fine, early 19th century set so that he could explain to them the history of the dishes that they would value and then use the money to fulfill a dream of his. At 10, he placed a call to the bus station he was going to be going to to get to Baravia to confirm that the bus was leaving on schedule. The employee confirmed that yes, the bus would be leaving as scheduled at noon. From there, we lose track of Ernest's stay. All we know of the 15th was that Ernest was not on the bus that he had printed tickets for when it departed. No one on the bus line cared, as it was not their problem, and they didn't think anything was wrong due to having no reason to believe anything was wrong. It's also, you know, a bus ticket. People miss the bus or they don't go to the exactly. bus. Exactly. There's no There's reason, no to, reason to, be to be concerned there. One time I bought a train ticket and I never got on the train. It's not their job to look out for people not being on the train. Because usually it's just, oh, I'm late. Exactly. At this point in his life, Ernest had only one loved one, Shotzi, who could not contact anyone when Ernest died. He'd completely overlooked talking to his landlord about him leaving, as it was so spur of the moment to leave, so his landlord was not anticipating accessing his unit for anything else. No one noticed that Ernest Coleman was dead until May 5th, 2022, when neighbors had been complaining of a stench for considerable time. Oh, no. The property manager did not go in when he noticed the flesh flies all over the inside of the windows of Ernest Coleman's apartment. Instead, he contacted the authorities who came to confirm what everyone kind of already knew by the time they got there, that he was dead. And yes, Ernest was dead. The apartment, which reeked, had held his rotting body for a significant time and had gotten no better thanks to the few flies that had gotten in and laid eggs. Oh, I hate flies and eggs. They're so nasty. I hate eggs. They found Shotzi, who had been eating Ernest's body to stay alive and drinking from the toilet bowl that had pretty much all but evaporated or been consumed by now. She had also been able to sustain herself on a leaky faucet in the kitchen, so she was alive but very unhealthy and taken to a shelter. Fun story. Well, not a fun story. When I was a kid, my two cats were being babysat by a kid. It was a kid, but you know, like... eh. 12, 13, uh-huh. capable of giving cats food, cleaning yeah. a litter box, and giving them water. And she had not been giving them water for the week <gasps> that we were gone. No. And my mom says it was a gift from God that a leak happened in our roof. And they had put a bowl of water under it to try to catch the leak, but that's what the cats were drinking the whole week because one of our cats was also diabetic and oh therefore needed extra water. And she is very grateful for that literal leak in our roof. And everyone is. We all think that it should have happened. But it gave our cats water. I would be livid with that kid. And it sucks because, you know, it's a kid where it's like... Yeah, but they're old enough to know you need to give a cat water. Yeah. 
The authorities were more interested in Ernest, whose wrists had been slit by a kitchen knife that lay discarded beside him. It had not been packed, they reasoned, because not everything was, and a knife was not essential to take when fleeing for your life, and it seemed plausible to them that Ernest had slit his own wrists based on his history of mental illness. Debate ensued amongst them. Yes, Ernest had a history of mental illness, which was well documented thanks to his journals, but he had also been doing significantly better since finding Shotzi and taking her in. His quality of life had improved, and he felt that she was something to live for. Shotzi had been in good health, and the two were thick as thieves. Why would Ernest change his mind on her being enough, and why would he abandon her? It was very clear from his writings that she meant a great deal to him. Furthermore, he was about to move to the Alps, a place that, according to his writing and to Anika Kemp, was very important to him. He had been setting a goal that he was working toward that he believed would make his life better, so why would he kill himself right when he was about to accomplish it? I cannot imagine doing that. I also have a very big move that I dream of every single night. And when that move is rapidly approaching, I can guarantee you that I'm kicking my little feet. I'm giggling and, and dancing around the room. And I'm, I'm throwing the confetti and popping the champagne. I'm not sitting there dismally. Right, and even if you were, and I would never abandon my cat. Yeah, I was gonna say even my if you, cat, my even if you my were poor baby, you would know that you are the only person that can feed and give that cat water. If you were gonna hurt yourself, wouldn't you at least like surrender the cat, or at least put it outside or something like that instead of trapping it in there with you? Yeah, and it does. And obviously, he has mental health issues. But consistent with what I know about him, and I'm not a psychologist. Please do not ask me to diagnose anything. But I did study psychology for a great deal of time. It doesn't sound as though he has a disorder that's actively affecting his actions or giving him thoughts or ideas in his mm-hmm. head. It sounds like he's just struggling with depression. And motivation. And, and motivation. And a lot of that is situational from loneliness. And that is partially redeemed by the cat. But then he's going to form a stronger emotional attachment with that cat. Mm-hmm. So why would he want the cat to go through the same thing that he's exactly. going through? So it doesn't make a lot of sense. And he had it's these thoughts of suicide earlier when he was like, nobody cares about me, like, I'm alone. But then he found the cat, which, I mean, that doesn't fix, that's not the of same thing not. as human oh, no. contact, but it did a lot. And he he adored that cat from what we saw in his writings. So it's very odd. Others argue that the abruptness of the move was just a sign of his unstable mental health or that he was running from his mental illness, but realized he could not do that and thus was devastated, causing him to kill himself. Or perhaps it was a premeditated suicide, considering that he had been selling off some of his valuable things like the china. But then, why would he not give Shotzi away? Did he want company in his death? Was he selfish enough to subject her to that, knowing that she would be abandoned in the house upon his death? Or did he think someone would notice he was gone much sooner? But why would he think that? Investigators searched the house for any sign that it was not a suicide. The greatest evidence of it was that they could not find the cash that the purchaser of the china had given to Ernest. That said, he may have hidden it well, and the call that he made to the bus station was an hour after his scheduled meeting with the buyer. Furthermore, the buyer's day was well documented in messages, social media videos, and going to his sister's house to whom he gifted the china. The death, after much speculation, was ruled a suicide. He was taken into the custody of local health authorities, and per German law, he was given a funeral and they buried him in a public cemetery. The funeral had two attendees. The first was Anika Kemp, who heard about his death through the local news, as she often tried to keep an eye out for any sign of what had happened to her friend. 
She got into contact with the authorities and learned what had become of Ernest, though she could provide no insight on whether or not he died by suicide, though she now says that she thinks it was unlikely, but has no idea who else could have hurt Ernest when he had no known enemies. Anika attempted to get others to come to the funeral with her, such as her boyfriend, but he refused. Instead, her fellow attendee was Shotzi, whom she had tracked down at the local shelter after finding out about her existence of where she'd been placed after Ernest was discovered. I will say, before this last paragraph, because it's I can see it, it's wrapping it up. I will say that, you know, I have some evidence for both sides of, like, did he commit suicide, did he not commit suicide? I will say that a big change like that, especially for someone that is so consistent with such a stable routine could have been terrifying enough to not let it happen and die with the dream. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just, I want to very... say that as well, where it, there's, there, there's things both directions where it's, yeah, those big things are terrifying. It's hard to uproot your life. And if there was a possibility that it wouldn't work, then I can understand going out like that. There is completely evidence for both suicide and not suicide, but the reason we consider this an untrue crime case is because there was speculation about whether he killed himself or if someone else yeah, killed yeah. him. But it was officially ruled a suicide. Well, it's an untrue crime case because it's on our podcast, but it's a... Yeah. Yeah. That's why it's, cons- it's it's not super straightforward because we don't know if he committed suicide for sure or not. Anika adopted Shotzi, and presently the two are living in the Swiss Alps where Anika has been painting pictures of the scenery. She even rented the cabin that Ernest was fond of and has painted it, too, stating she wants to keep Ernest's memory alive. He may not have been the closest of her friends, but he was her friend, and she refuses to let him be forgotten ever again. That's so sweet. If I die very suddenly, will you come take care of my cats and live in the Netherlands? Nope, but I will scoop up your cats and I will take Whoa. them back to wherever I'm leaving. <laughs> but I will scoop my cats and I'll take your cats, mine. but I will not be living in the Netherlands. I'll have to hand them to my my wife. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. Send in your thoughts, theories, questions, and comments to untruekindthepodcast at gmail.com, all lowercase, for a chance to be featured at the end of the season during our Q&A. Bye! Bye!